Hello, welcome to the Midweek Movie Podcast edition of The Healing Place, the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what does it actually mean? I'm Dallas. I'm so glad you guys are joining us. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is you're joining us. Hey, thank you for being part of what we're doing here at The Healing Place. Today is the final part of our series on Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I want to encourage you guys, dig in deep today. Grab your Bible, grab your notebook, listen to this podcast multiple times, really dig in to discover what the Lord is saying through this conversation between Pastor Scott and our friend Mike Conaway of McKinney, Texas. And then beyond that, I want to encourage you guys to reach out to us, mediahub at teachreachreport.com or on our Facebook page. Uh, Just look for Midweek Move and let us know how God has moved in your life through the last several weeks of this conversation. That being said, let's get into it. People don't know technically what being born all over again is. But being born again, there's a technical doctrinal answer for it. And it's really every believer, once they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within them. He fills the temple. The Holy of Holies is now inside of me and inside of you. And That's a powerful thought that the Holy Spirit's with us and won't leave us or forsake us. And his spirit and our spirit become one. Jesus said it this way, you know, if if I'm in you and you're in me and I'm in the Father, and it's like a riddle, then the Father's in you, right? He's talking about this born-again experience. And when the Holy Spirit and our spirit become one, we become a brand-new creation. The world has never seen that creation before, not in Adam, not in David, not in Moses. At that moment in the New Testament, the believer is no longer just a person who believes. That's awesome. But their their actual spirit has been quickened to come alive by the regeneration of the spirit, and they become a brand new creation in Christ. Like if you were to strip my physical flesh off my body and you could just see my spirit, my spirit is a different type of creation than it was before. And in the authority of God, if you have God here, you have under God a born-again, filled with the Holy Spirit, human being. Underneath that, you have angels. Underneath that, you have fallen angels. Underneath that, you have fallen man. So when you give your life to Jesus, you're brought up to a place of spiritual authority because you are a brand new type of creation, an actual new type of creation, that the world has never seen. And that is because you are the temple. And that's exactly what Jesus was giving them. He was like, guys, you were just at the temple. Now you're in a hellhole, literally. And if you have a revelation of who I am, neither one matters. doesn't matter where you are. And the fact that he goes on even after this, And for the very first time, he predicts his Mm. death on the cross. And for the very first time, Mm. he tells him that when he dies, he's going to resurrect new life. Yeah, It's the very first time. It's not recorded before here. And you'd think you'd give that speech in Jerusalem. But it's here. (laughs) It's here that he does that. And it's from this moment that Mm. they head back down. Is what the scripture said from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. 
So from 16 on, they're going down. And so many times we see Jerusalem as this great place of worship, but for Jesus, it wasn't. Every time he was in Jerusalem, it was bad. Hmm. Every time. Whenever he needed a break, where did he go? Galilee. Every single time. Every time he went to Jerusalem, it was bad. He was persecuted. He was mocked. He was everything. But yet he goes out to these other places where you weren't necessarily supposed to go. He goes to these other places where probably they say 75, maybe 80% of his miracles take place. Um, and, And his ministry takes place within like 15 square miles in that triad. And in this, when he says, listen, this is what's going to be established on it. But then he says, listen, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die and I'm going to, I'm going to pay the penalty for your sin. But I'm also going to resurrect. And I think for a lot of people, sadly over the years, they have believed on Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And this is where the leaven of the Sadducees comes in. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't believe in new life. Yeah. The cross makes it possible, hmm. but the grave makes it inevitable. Yeah. Jesus on the cross says, I've atoned for all of your sins if you will come. But if you come to the cross, listen, I'm the only one who can die on the cross. Yeah. But in me, you've got to go through the grave because the old man has to die. And the old man has to be put off, and you have to put on the new man. And that's why the leaven of the Sadducees going all the way back was so deadly, because not believing in the resurrection leaves no possible chance for new life. Yeah, they were the first uh, humanists. And to this day, of course, most of, I think in the major religions you have Christianity, if you combine you know, what we would call Protestants and Catholics, about two billion. You have Islam, which is right around a billion one. You have um, uh, Hindus, which are about a billion. And then you have Buddhists, which are about 350 million. And you have um, um, uh, Judaism, which is only about 15 million. Of the 15 million, 80% don't believe in a resurrection to this day. And, and when the temple was torn down in, you know, in 70 AD, the prophecy Jesus had, which is connected to the fig tree, when the temple is actually torn down uh, and the Romans come in literally and take every stone, I mean, they just dismantle it, and they make it illegal for, for uh, Israelites to go into Jerusalem. And they take away their ownership, their deed. They literally, Rome would conquer a nation, but let them still have their own government and have a deed to the property. But they were just the deed holder. Took away the deed and gave it to what we now call Palestinians. They gave it to them. All of this is happening, and there were, in that time, rabbis who were saying, no prayer will ever be answered again, ever, for Israel, because of the temple being torn down. And that's where we get the rabbinic priesthood, the rabbinic rabbis, right? They start putting together a new set of rules and stuff so you can continue to have Judaism, the culture of it, beyond the temple, because the temple's gone, right? Because, I mean, the Old Testament teaches sacrifices. There's no, you can't be killing bulls and doing this and killing, right? That doesn't happen. And this religion primarily went the way of the Sadducee. 
they went the way of the Sadducee. That's what we know of currently. Sure, and that's why you have the Temple yeah. Mount, which is one of the most contentious places on the earth, yeah. because the Petros is being looked at as the foundation rather than the Petra, yeah. which is on Christ's solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that's the foundation, and we are but living stones. Yeah, and you can't take that away, can you? No. No human. That can't be changed. Yeah, I've shared this, you know, laughing sometimes in my congregation, but trying to teach them constantly this reality, which is, listen, you know, you may have come to Jesus at our church, but uh, we didn't give you your salvation, and we can't take it away. That's right. Right? So even if, even if we end up breaking apart, it doesn't mean I can go, and therefore I renounce your salvation as the man of God. <laughs> right. right. People try to do that kind of yeah, stuff. Sure. I don't even know if they're saved. But humanity has no ability to see into the human heart. Where God, man looks on the outward, they can see the red sky, and they can see that there's going to be a storm in the morning. But it takes the Spirit of God inside of us to make us spiritually aware. And of course, because Peter didn't have the Holy Spirit within him at the time, the sovereignty of the Father in that, in that particular time in history yep. moves and reveals who Jesus is, just like when Jesus is baptized by yep. his cousin, John, and the Father speaks and the Spirit descends. And you see this beautiful connection of God wanting to reveal himself to man. And, and how powerful is that, that God is so loving, so caring, and, and sometimes I feel for the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious people, and I've probably been, been them sometimes, you know, here and there, where you just, you just go, man, Mike, come on, don't do that. And, and I know somebody might go, oh my gosh, but don't we all go there sometimes? You know, the layperson can be a Pharisee, not just pastors. Yeah, Anybody sure. can slip into that where I begin to discern all things based upon what I know. Yeah, I know about sons. And I know about skies, and I know about church, and I know about that denomination, and I know about Joel Osteen, right? And do you really? Do yeah. you? Or are you just becoming a Pharisee and letting leaven swell up within you? I would just say to people, let's all just kind of find the God of the Bible all over again. What a great time. What a great reset. You know, people could say COVID's the worst thing that's ever happened. Is it? I don't know. No. <laughs> I, think, I think God is up to something where I think if there's one thing that we've proven in our sophisticated, amazing, we can land people on the moon world, is that human beings aren't any smarter than they were 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, and they're in desperate need of a God who can give them a revelation of something deeper. I was, I was watching a, a, a dumb science show the other day. And it hit me, you know, there's only, we only know, like of the universe, we know a lot, but 5% but, but of the universe is made of matter, molecules, atoms, all the stuff we know about. Of the 5%, we know about 3% of what it really is. The two, other 2% 2 of matter, we're not even quite sure what it is. But the other 95%, right, that we don't know, we call it dark matter and dark energy. It doesn't mean it's dark, it just means we can't see it, we can't perceive it. But the reason why we've hypothesized there's dark energy and dark matter is because how it moves matter. How matter is moved and manipulated and pushed and gravity and everything that makes matter work, we know some other force unseen is moving the matter. It shouldn't be too hard for us to think 
there's a God that we don't really understand in terms of matter because we can see. We can see demonic activity. We can see angelic activity. We can see God's activity. We might not be able to see it or understand it. Science doesn't see it or really understand it, but they know it's there. They just aren't sure what it is, but they know it has properties. I would argue that the invisible world is much bigger than the visible world. And I think Jesus was um, obviously aware of both and beyond our universe, right? Because yep. he's aware of the realm of the spirit. And he's saying, man, Peter, you just got touched by the invisible. I want you to know what it is, and I want to give credit to what it is. It's not just a thought that popped into your amazing head. Yep, that's right. This is something. Because that removes doubt. That's right. Yep, and that the removal of doubt instills faith. Yeah, and that's something. And ultimately, the question that all of us have to land at is not, listen, who does this person say? Who does it? It's who do you yeah. say that I am? Hey, you're a great teacher. Hey, he's, you know, Jesus was a good human. He was, he was awesome. No, that's not a foundation. Yeah. The Christ, the son of the living God. That's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to allow him to build my life is on that. Well, and I pray even through this, my simple prayer, and then I'll pass it back to you to finish this thing up. But my simple prayer is for people that, there would be space inside of them somewhere, even if it's the smallest amount of space, whether it's a Christian that, that has kind of got burned out and gotten cynical, or maybe somebody for whatever reason that happens all the time where they pop on some video, YouTube or wherever, and they, they don't believe at all. They're like I was at 20. And something that we say doesn't just spark them intellectually and doesn't, doesn't just cause them to go, wow, that was kind of good insight. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would quicken the reality and the truth of who God is and who Christ is, and that the salvation that they hear Christians talking about, or maybe they haven't been walking with God for a while, they backslid and they walked away, that they would revisit the idea that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then on that rock, God could either rebuild or start building. Yep. A life that I was just telling my wife on the on the drive up here, because I live in Texas and we're in Louisiana, right? So it's a three hour drive. I said, you know, I'm sixty-one years old now. I've been serving God forty-one to forty-two years, faithfully, been in ministry thirty-five years, full-time pastoring, senior pastor for thirty-five years, forty years of ministry. And I said, Man, babe, I'm happier. I'm more in love with Jesus. I'm more fired up about the future. How is that possible? And the answer is, ah, he's the Christ, yep. the son of the living That's God. Right. And he's building a thing in me that I can't even deny. Yep. And, um, and I've been hurt and impacted and had tragedy. And I've, it's not like I've had everything's been charmed. Sure. It has right. nothing to do with any of that. Nope. It's just a revelation that reminds me of what my identity really is. And in a world right now, as sophisticated as this world is, I think pretty soon Elon Musk will be able to we'll go like that and we'll talk on the phone. The phone will be in there. As sophisticated as we are, the world, not just our nation, the world is going through the greatest identity crisis in history. People don't know who they are. That's right. 
I mean, on every level, yep. not just pointing fingers at liberals or whatever, right? You know, the guy on CNN. It's everywhere. It's just the idea, and it just robs them of their humanity. You can just see it crush their humanity. Yep. But he's the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah, that identifies him. But the moment I have a, I identify who God is, is the moment my identity. Yep becomes crystal clear, becomes a rock that can't be broken, yep. that the gates of hell, Cannot I can't even prevent. imagine that, right? Could you just imagine if right now the actual gates of hell just would crash down on us and we'd just be going, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. No problem. We've, we've probably both had that, right? Yep. So I've, we're giving hope to people. We've had it. Don't think we're charmed. Well, and, and many times the struggle is what even solidifies that yeah. that belief so of that true. foundation even more. Yeah. Is that if it was only good, is that really your foundation? Yeah. No because doubt. have you ever really had to stand on it? That's why I never get mad at Peter for going through what he went through. Oh, think, no. How dare no. he? Like I'm like, oh, I think I've been there a couple times. But yeah. yet he just appears humanity, on the shore again. Right? Humanity will never evolve to the place of not needing this foundation. Yeah. Because sin will always be there. Well, that's not what Nietzsche said. He said the religion would be dead by now. Nope. That was 100 years ago. Just, as long <laughs> as sin is there, there's, man will never there's evolve. There's been a few major revivals since yep. uh, Nietzsche has, uh, spoke his... Man will never evolve yeah. past needing this foundation because sin will always be present. Yeah. And if it is, there will always be death, destruction, evil, all of those things. But if you stand upon this foundation... And that's what I love about it. Well, that's awesome. We've had amazing conversations, plural, throughout this whole uh, passage. And again, we just took Matthew 16, a few verses. And man, we have created multiple opportunities out of it. So, Mike, thanks for your time, uh, my man. My pleasure. My honor. Uh, just an awesome, awesome time. And uh, man, just... Uh, Tune in to what we got going on with the Midweek Move, all of our different platforms we have the Midweek Move on. And uh, again, we just want to create space in the middle of the week for us to make a move, to grow, mature, yeah. whatever that is, whatever it looks like. And uh, so we're so thankful for all of you guys. And until next time, we'll see you. Amen. So wherever we land today, wherever we are in life, whatever season we're in right now, the question for all of us is the same. Who do you say that I am? And I love the fact that in our conversation, Mike and I weren't just talking about people who don't know Christ, and then all of a sudden this giant revelation comes, but we also talked about that when that leaven that we've talked about for several weeks now begins to get in, sometimes we forget. We forget how precious that foundation is. We forget how huge of a price was paid for that foundation. And I can't imagine Peter. I, I just, I've tried to in my brain. I just can't get there. I can't imagine him being on that shore um, all over again, out fishing all night long, doesn't catch anything, cast it over on this side, pull him in. Jesus is already cooking fish. He's already got it there. They don't, they, they don't even recognize him again. <laughs> and then Peter's like, Oh, it is him. Jumps in. He's, you know, Peter, all in, whether good or bad or indifferent. And Jesus is cooking this fish, and he's prepared this bread, and he says, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Then feed my sheep, right? Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? 
And there's this moment that he has of reminding him of that moment. Who do you say that I am? Man, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there was a lot of water under the bridge between that confession of faith and his denial of Jesus and then his restoration. There's this chasm there. All these things happened in this span of time. And it's almost as if Jesus, and we do know this, even with what Jesus was calling him when he restored him, he took him all the way back to when he first called him as a fisherman. And in that moment, realizing that all the different things that he thought it was about, even when he was taking this journey with Jesus, it wasn't about any of those things. It wasn't about being the greatest. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about this. It was all about Jesus. It was all about that declaration that he made in that crazy place known as Caesarea Philippi. That crazy moment of, who do you say that I am? And when it came right down to it, he declared his faith at that moment, his faith. And everything it would take to get him to this other place of reestablishing himself on that. Reestablishing the Petros, the living stone, on the Petra, the bedrock, Christ's solid rock I stand. And so this week, I'm not so sure it's an action step rather than a reflection. Can you just take a moment to just reflect, not over these last few weeks, because maybe some of you haven't listened or seen the weeks prior to this. Maybe this is just your only, this is just your only in right here in this conversation that we've been having about Matthew chapter 16, about building on the rock of of the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. But could you just take a moment to reflect, just to reflect on your own journey, how God was there maybe when you didn't even realize He was there, when maybe things came out of your mouth that you wished didn't come out of your mouth, or when things came out of your mouth that maybe you were like, wow, did I just say that? That, that was the Lord. That wasn't me. And just reflect on your journey. And in that reflection... Can you just contemplate that question that Jesus would ask you even today? Who do you say that I am? And hopefully we all land on you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. To reflect on Jesus saying, hey, do you love me? Man, Lord, I do. You know, I'm sorry I don't show it enough. And I'm sorry I don't tell you enough. But I do. And he, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, hey, go. Go feed them. Go tell them what I told you. Go do what I said. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Go do it. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Go do it. And just like Peter, he got up and he realized, you know what? He called me as a fisherman, but he called me away from fishing fish and being a fisherman. And I've gone just back to fishing men. I'm living below my destiny. I'm really not firmly founded on that, I mean, just rooted and grounded on that foundation. But it's a little shaky. But I'm going to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm going to say, Lord, upon reflection, and I do love you. So in all of that, just this week, take some time, just a sliver of time, just to reflect on those things. And I have a feeling that whether it's through a whisper, whether it's through thunder, whether it's through a simple moment where you're somewhere that maybe you shouldn't even be, that God's going to speak to you 
and he's going to let you know that he's with you. And he's going to remind you that there is a foundation that you can stand on, that no matter what storm comes, it's not going to knock you off that foundation. That foundation is sure. It's firm because it's on Christ. So God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us for the midweek move. We'll see you later.